Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of First Chronicles, chapter 18. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to 1 Chronicles chapter 18. I had a wonderful day. Uh, Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. You are the one true living God who made the heavens and the earth and all the living creatures, Lord. And these beautiful mountains that surround our church. We're just so grateful that we have a Father and a God, a Creator God, who loves us. And Lord, you are the God of Moses. You're the God of Joshua and Caleb. Do a mighty work through your word tonight, Lord. Open our hearts, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. So in First Chronicles chapter 18, just a beautiful continuation of the Lord describing to us, or the chronicler, describing how God established King David, a man after his own heart. And, um, you know, the, the lesson of David's life is just love God. Put him first, seek him. And he will establish you, right? So in our story, God has made that wonderful covenant with King David, his servant. That covenant to bless him beyond his imagination. To bless David beyond what he could imagine by bringing through his lineage one day the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we read in, our, in the last chapter when, when God did that. And he did that because David had desired to bless God with a house. Bless you. Bless God with a house. Because he saw that he lived in a beautiful cedar home and the ark of the Lord was in a just a regular tent. And that's where they were all worshiping, by this tent. Meanwhile, the king had this amazing palace. And so it was in his heart that God needed something better. He was God deserved better than just a tent. And so you know the story through the prophet Nathan. God told David that he could not build him a house, but God would bless him with the house. So he said no to David, but then proceeded to, to bless him by telling him that he would bless him with a house. Speaking, of course, of Jesus Christ one day. There are a few promises within that covenant that I want to bring to your attention tonight because it, it is pertinent to what we're going to be in chapter 18. But first in verse 9 of chapter 17, God said to David that he would appoint a place for his people Israel and that he would plant them and that, that they may dwell in their own place and move no more. And so he, he says that I'm going to make a place for them so that they're not scattered anymore. They're, they don't move from one place to another. We know that the Israelites moved all over the place and shifting here, shifting there. And he also said in the second part of verse 9, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. 
And when, during the time of Judges, as we read, remember uh, Gideon and the Midianites, how they were afraid and the Israelites were living in caves and stuff? So even though they were in the land, they were still being oppressed by the wicked because Israel had turned from the Lord. And so, you know, this rest from the enemies. And he said in, in verse 10 of chapter 17, that also I will subdue all of your enemies. And then verse 10 through 11, that beautiful promise of the Messiah and also of King David's son, Solomon, building the temple. He said, furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. And that word house is dynasty, which will establish the lineage of Jesus. I will set up your seed after you who will be of your sons and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house that Solomon will build him the temple and I will establish his throne forever speaking of the Lord. Amen. And so David was blown away by all of this. In the last chapter, he ends with just him telling God all that you have said. He's totally blown away. Remember, he's like, man, who am I that you would do such amazing things for me? Who am I, Lord? He was beyond words, didn't know what to say, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. But he ended with telling the Lord, oh Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever and do as you have said. In other words, God, all that you've promised, all that you're saying about my life, oh Lord, accomplish it. Do all that you said that you want to do in and through my life. All the blessings. That's a good word for all of us, guys, tonight. No doubt that we too, like David, should be praying to the Father, O Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant. Let it be established forever and do as you have said. What has the Father promised you? Very much, according to this book. Very much. Oh, from the beginning. Jesus preached, did he not? In John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So shouldn't we as Christians say that prayer to the Lord? You know, the promises, which are so many, Lord. And here's one, Jesus, you said that you came to give us life in that much more abundantly. And that, Lord, my life, it doesn't feel as abundant as it should. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm lacking in, in abundancy, in abundance of life spiritually. Oh, Jesus, I, the word that you spoke concerning your servant, may it be so, may it happen, may it come. May you bless my life so I can be more fruitful, more joyful. Just the life, to live that Christian blessed life that you called me to live, Lord. And so I think it's good for us to pray the same prayer, to hold God to the promises that he's made for us. And I, and there's so many guys, we can go on, we can be here all, we can be here for probably eternity with all the promises and blessings. But I, I wrote a few, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Maybe that's a word that you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, that promise that's in there that you gave via Jeremiah the prophet, may it be done in your servant's life. May you accomplish what you said you would, Lord, in my life. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Oh, Lord, I've been delighting in you. Please, Lord, may the word that you spoke to me come to pass may you accomplish it and second corinthians 1:20 says for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god 
through us. I mean, if you think about the reality that we were, we were literally going to eternal damnation and Christ came in and saved us. So that alone, my goodness, if God gave his son for us, how much more will he not bless our lives? And so hold on to those blessings. Call upon God concerning those blessings. But have a heart like David. So many people are lacking really those promises from being fulfilled because they're not like David. We don't have a heart after the Lord. God cannot refer to us as servants because we're not serving him. You know, and these blessings are for his people and his people are his servants. Moses was his servant. We need to serve him. We need to delight in him. So a lot of the promises have to do with with our response to our salvation. And thus, King David responded to the blessings. He said, do all that you have desired to do in my life, Lord. Let it be what you have said you would do. God is a God who blesses. Amen? I I would never want anyone to think that God doesn't bless. He's such a bless. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He blesses. Get used to it, those of you who aren't used to being blessed. But also remember, you were saved to serve him. You were saved to delight in him. Heaven is about those who delight in the Lord. We're happy to be in heaven. We're happy to serve him when we're here. We're happy to serve him anywhere. So that's a good word, I think. And then in verse 1, we read in chapter 18, After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines, subdued them, and took Gath and its towns from the hand of the Philistines. Then he defeated Moab, and the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. And so the city of Gath was the largest Philistine city, guys. And and we know that the, the Philistines have been the enemy of the Israelites for a long time. Up until this point, it's about 125 years of constant thorn in your side, enemy, perpetual enemy for the Israelites. And we see here in these first verses that David attacks the Philistines. And God had promised him as part of the covenant that I'm going to give you rest from all of your enemies. And so we see here how God is going to accomplish that rest from their enemies. Israel is going to have rest from their enemies because their king is attacking the enemies of Israel. We see it being fulfilled here. This is how God's going to do it. He attacks the Philistines. And all of the inhabitants or the people who lived in Canaan prior to the Israelites going in, remember God said to remove them. So the Philistines included, they were picture all of the occupants of the land. They were a picture of, or they represented wickedness. They represented sin. And spiritually, they represented the flesh. So as they went into the promised land, they were to get rid of the Philistines. They were to get rid of the Canaanites because that represented the old man or the old woman, the flesh life, the carnal life, the sinful life. And so if they were going to have peace in the land, they had to get rid of these people. And as you know, in Israel's history, they failed to do that for the most part. They did some of it and they they had a relative peace, but there was unnecessary battles taking place because they never took care of that 
And so in order for God's peace to be upon Israel, they needed to get rid of the Philistines. And so I love that. I love that here that uh, David does that. And it's a reminder for all of us. As the Philistines are a picture of the flesh, it's a picture of of sin, the old life. It's a reminder uh, for all of us that we will never have true rest or peace, you know, as Christians in this world, unless we deal with the carnality that is still in our lives. The flesh nature, the, the old man or the old woman. Even though we're born again, we are still dealing with these bodies of flesh, and the flesh wars against the spirit. And we need, we're, we're called to put off the old man. We're called to put to death the members of our flesh and that carnal, sinful nature, which we can because Jesus Christ gave us the power through his death and resurrection. And we are encouraged, we are exhorted, we are commanded to walk in the spirit so that we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. And, but some of us don't have that peace. And 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 the Lord said, you know, I'm here to give you rest from your enemies. The wicked, he who oppresses will oppress you no more, like during the time of judges. But some of us are, are struggling so much with oppression and depression just things aren't going well in our lives. And and I believe that that may be because there's not an attack against the carnality in our life. There's not a seriousness to the sinful nature in our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, it tells us, now the works of the flesh are evident, and that's uh, 519, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are getting closer and closer for the moment that Jesus Christ comes for his church. We cannot be found with perpetual carnality in our lives. You know, oh, it's just a bad temper, or oh, it's just how I am, or oh, it's, you know, using language, bad language from time to time, or oh, just lustful thoughts from time to time, or oh, covetous thoughts, or oh, you know, hateful thoughts, or oh, laziness, or oh, no self-control, or oh, you know, just the works of the flesh. And everyone struggles and everyone has their moments of failure. And thank God that Jesus is merciful every day. But we can't live in a perpetual state of carnality and make excuses for it. It needs to be cut off or there will not be peace. Even if you're born again and the king of peace has come into your heart, the Lord, I believe, as part of his chastening, will not allow you or I to experience the peace. Because there's sin in the camp. There's, there, we're not attacking it like David did. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture here. In Romans 8, verse 5 through 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We have to be hard on ourselves concerning the flesh. 
And that's not my words. We're going to get into what Jesus says in Matthew. If your right hand causes you to sin, remember? (sighs) Peace. Yes, he gives it. He gives it like no one can give it. It's not of this world, his peace. And oh, how we need it. But he can't, he will not give it unless we're willing to start fighting against our flesh and not make excuses. Get rid of anything that causes you or I to sin. To get rid of it. In Galatians 5, 16 through 18, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We need to live spiritual lives and be serious about our whatever issues we have. Issue number one is to deal with our issues. Issue number two, who knows? God will show you. The Spirit will show you. But if we make excuses and we don't deal with carnality in our life, how can we expect peace in the land, peace in our families, peace at our jobs, peace at our every, you name it. We can't. Guys, Jesus is on the move and we want to be moving with him. We don't want to be stationary. We don't want to be not in the game. We need skin in the game. But God is looking for a a few good women and men who are willing to put skin in the game and who are willing to deal with their flesh and walk in the Spirit. We are no longer in this world to live for ourselves or to live for our pleasures, but to live for God. It's the reading of the Word where it all should stem. The changes should stem from the reading of the Word daily, every morning. In Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, For you have magnified your word above all your name. God has magnified this book, his word, even above his name. That should tell us something, that if we are in his word in the morning, crying out to God for his word to change our hearts and our minds and our lives, knowing that he elevates his word even above our names, then we can with confidence know this is changing me. This is changing me from the inside out and I'm going to be molded to be more like the Son of God, more into Jesus' image. And he was busy in his Father's work. He wasn't out of the game. He wasn't on the sidelines. Even in a football game, the focus is on the field and people working and doing and You know, we don't want to be on the sidelines. We have one shot at this, one crack at this. Let us serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Let us delight ourselves in the Lord and not walk around, you know, meandering in this world like the rest of the folks in the world who don't know Christ. They don't know where they're going and we're the ones who have the direction. God has shown us and many are just still meandering. We can't. We gotta. That we have to give ourselves to getting rid of the flesh, attacking that Philistine flesh, and walking in the spirit. And the reading of the word does it. Reading of the word makes life more easier on us. What do you have to accomplish? Work tomorrow, dropping off the kids, dealing with the kids, making some calls, your business. What, what, you know, we all have something to do tomorrow, right? It'll be easier for you to do it if you're in the word. And you're crying out to God, change me and your will be done. And give me the courage to do what what I feel you are telling me to do from this day forth. How many husbands do we have here? Brave guys, come on. 
Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. For those of us husbands, my goodness, if we have not sat down and washed our wives with the word of God, the problems that we are facing, a little grind in your life, a little grind at work, a little grind in ministry, a little grind at home, kids, a little grind. What if it was based on the fact that we have not washed our wives with the word of God every day like we're supposed to? First issue is us. Attack the Philistines. Get rid of that. I'm thoroughly convicted. Because we say the word does all of this change, doesn't it? Oh, I preach it here. But I'm the first guilty one to say I haven't washed my wife with the word every day like I should. We get into the word, we do, but I've been way too laxed. Do you feel me dying? I'm with you, brothers. Nothing else can work until she gets the word, if she'll have you. Not everybody has a believing wife, but if you do, that's so important. Nothing more is. Nothing more is, fellas. And it's like, what am I going to, you know, why do I even plan to do anything else? It's going to fail because I'm not washing my wife with the word. It's going to fail. Why wake up early? Why stay up late? Why go to work? Why plan? Why plan a trip? Why plan? Why, why, why? It's going to fail because he sees that he gave you a wife that you're not going to wash her mind with the word. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines. He subdued them and he took Gath and its towns from the hand of the Philistines. But you know what else I see is that he took initiative, right? He didn't say right there in Jerusalem, the Philistines came upon them and attacked them. It said that he went out to them. He initiated the fight. He initiated it. We need to be a people, guys, of who take the initiative with our lives spiritually. We cannot sit around and wait for the enemy to attack. We need to take the initiative and go after anything in our vicinity and influence where there's sin carnality or not getting in the word or not praying we need to get after it we need to fix this and fix it now because part of being carnal is laziness spiritual laziness not dealing with issues that we know we needed to deal with the word to take initiative it means to to have the power or ability to begin or to follow through energetically with a plan or task, enterprise and determination. It's basically the ability, the power or ability to begin or to follow through energetically. Like to not wait around, you know, it's like pastors are great. Like, you know, we're called to, to help in the journey. I spoke to my pastor tonight and it's pastors. Our job is to encourage folks in their journey spiritually to help strengthen them, to help prepare them, to warn them, uh, to get them going. But we want to be a people at Sweet Hills that says, oh, thanks, pastor. I'm right with you. I'm, I'm on it. I'm energetic about seeing what's happening. Because when we don't deal with spiritual issues in our homes, in our own lives, with our family and friends, when we don't deal with these things, what does it do? It causes stress, spiritual stress. That I don't know how, what's going on, there's a mess, it's, I'm all over the place. It's not peace. Peace is dealing with this. Dealing with our own sin, dealing with sin in our homes, family, children. You know, the Bible says to deal with these things. Jesus, 
is our example, but we need to be diligent. We don't take the initiative in the things of God because we can be spiritually lazy. Like I said, we are lazy in dealing with our sin. We are lazy in dealing with the sins of loved ones, lazy in our service to the Lord and in doing things haphazardly rather than unto the Lord. We're in Colossians 3.23, it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The Bible is filled with do everything unto the Lord. Be not lazy, but be you do things heartily unto the Lord. And I'm thoroughly convicted, man. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself. I took a bite of the sandwich before I brought it for you to take a bite out of. Trust me. I love the Lord because he teaches us a better way. And it is to be diligent. To be diligent about our condition. Right? Be diligent. Keep your heart with all diligence, the Bible says, for out of it stem the issues of life. Our heart needs to be dealt with. Am I doing what you want me to do? Am I seeking you like I should? If we're leading, if we're fathers, if we're mothers, if we're grandparents, if we're leaders in any way in ministry or at work or managing or whatever, is our responsibility. In Romans 12 verse 8, Paul says, he who leads, may he do it in, with diligence. With diligence. Taking the initiative. Being a go-getter. Christians need to be the go-getters in our as we seek the Lord. In Proverbs 27, 23, it says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, right? Be, be diligent. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman, above.